I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harvin of Behind the Steel Curtain, and you are listening to Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Monday. It is not just any Monday. It is a victory Monday. That is correct, folks. In case you live under a rock, in case you were in a coma, the Steelers win in Week 13 on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. Final score 19-16. So, just to recap, Steelers are now 5-7. and seven. They've won back-to-back games for the first time, back-to-back road games, back-to-back games in a dome, Kenny Pickett's first time with back-to-back wins. I could go on forever, but it's a victory Monday, and we all should be happy. We should be celebrating as the Steelers now turn the page eventually to the Baltimore Ravens. It is Ravens week. I said this on the post-game show. I'll say it here as well. You know, I live in Maryland, and for me, this game... This game means a little bit more. These Ravens games mean a little bit more. So you might be, wherever you are, I hate the Browns the most, whatever. I hate the Ravens the most. I hate the Ravens the most because I'm around Ravens fans all the time. So this is a big game. We'll talk about that. Uh, Some news in the news category. We're going to talk about how this Steelers team, don't look now, don't look now, but the Steelers team is improving. That's important. And then in the second half, as we always do, we dive headfirst into the winners and losers. A lot of winners. We did have some losers. We did have some losers, not going to lie. Had some losers, but at the same time, a lot of winners and a lot less losers. It's a lot more fun that way, at least I believe so. So let's get this started off with news. As we always start off after a game, the news is the injury update. Mike Tomlin spoke with media after the game, and he said that there's only one player he mentioned specifically, and that was TJ Watt, and he said he's pretty beat up. You know, TJ Watt, when you think about his season, you know, the pectoral injury, whether it was torn, partially torn, whatever, He's on IR. He misses a lot of time. During that time, has his knee scoped. Uh, He comes off of that, and now he's dealing with a rib injury. The the dude's beat up, and that's the good Mike Tomlin labeled it well. The dude is pretty beat up right now. So they said they're going to see how it goes this week with him, but you hope they have him against the Ravens in Week 14. Other than that, there were players that were injured during the game, but were all were able to come back. You're talking Levi Wallace with an apparent shoulder when he collided with Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, you had Terrell Edmonds, who either got hit in the junk. <laughs> That's right. He got hit, either got hit in the junk or he uh, got hit in the stomach and, and the wind got knocked out of him. Either way, he uh, he left the game and was able to come back. And then also Chooks four left for maybe a snap. It's crazy when you think about the stat. I was watching the game with Dave Schofield, and he said that with Chuksakor for leaving the game, at least for even for one play, other than he and Mason Core, the only offensive linemen, the only offensive linemen so far this season that have missed any snaps. And that's incredible. That is incredible. So there's your injury update. Things are looking okay. They have a regular week this week. Last week was a short week, and you know, to get back from Indy. 
You're working on a short week and then you have to travel again. That's a tough that's a tough task. And so now they're they're back in Pittsburgh. They are staying in Pittsburgh because they have a home game coming up. Hopefully they can get some rest and recovery and get those players back and ready to go. But for players like Najee Harris, who was banged up coming into the game, didn't seem any worse for the wear. It looked like he was pretty good. Other news. The Green Bay Packers find a way to beat the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears lose again. Chase Claypool was ineffective again, and he was also injured. I don't know if he left the game and was able to return, but uh, someone put in the, the Slack channel that he was hurt. Uh, but does a draft pick update, draft pick update. That's right. The Chicago Bears have the second overall projected pick in the 2023 NFL draft. That's pretty crazy when you think about it, that the Steelers could – have the second pick in the second round. That is really important. Meanwhile, the Steelers' win pushes them back to 14th right now in the projected draft order. And this is all before Monday Night Football, and so there's an NFC game going on tonight, Monday night, but still, right now, the Steelers are sitting at the 14th overall projected pick. Now, I will say this. Before we get into the the crux of this podcast, this team, this Steelers team, is it is, at least offensively, ridiculously difficult to predict. You know, I mean, as someone that has, has been tasked with trying to figure out these parlays every week, and I've got an idea for which way I'm going to go in the future, okay? Because I haven't gotten one right yet, and I was awful this week. I think I went over 3 in the three-leg parlay. I know. I'm not a gambler. I'm trying my best. But this team, just think about it. If you had to put money down on George Pickens coming off of that Indianapolis game Having 50 yards receiving, would you say you would say, yeah, he would get that or not? I would believe that most of you would say that, yeah, he'd get 50 yards or at least close to it. The dude had two yards, two yards on two targets. You know, and then you think, okay, Pat Fryermuth, he's kind of been up and down, up and down. You think, did you see Pat Fryermuth breaking off a 57-yard run? Did you predict that? I didn't. This team is just difficult to predict. They are starting to get into a rhythm. They are starting to find their way. But ultimately, they're just really tough to predict. And I think that's there's, there's a lot of reasoning behind that, whether it's the play calling, rookie quarterback, whatever. Man, they are tough to predict. But they're winning football games, and that's what matters most. And I know that some fans are going to be upset when I say this, and it's the title of this podcast. Don't look now, but the Steelers are really improving. And they are really improving. And I'm going to talk about how they're really improving on both sides of the ball, one more than the other, and that's on offense. I cannot get over how vastly different this offense has looked since coming off the bye. I made that, that's what we all expected, at least I did. I expected them to come out and show, like, hey, wow, they actually look like they know how to play the game of football. Like, that's what I was hoping to see, and I think we've seen that. And there's been a lot of improvement in a lot of areas. And offensively, maybe it's because they were, the bar was set so low. Maybe it's because no one really thought that the expectations for this team were to, you know, score 30-plus points week in and week out. Think back to the Todd Haley Killer Bees era where they set that bar at, we want to score 30 points a game. And no one's saying that. But this offense, maybe it's because they were just started out so low, but they have really improved. Let's talk about some of these areas where we've seen some vast improvement. I mean, the offensive line, I mentioned how Chooks for now joins, joins Mason Cole as the only offensive lineman to miss any snaps. Not a game, just a snap or more. You know, Mason Cole left the game, I think it was the Cincinnati game, with that foot injury. I mean, he hasn't missed time since. 
Chooks Okorafor looked like maybe a shoulder injury, and he was able to get back out there. Other than that, they all have not missed a snap. I can't, I just, yep, I just knocked on wood for those that are superstitious. But still, it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible when you consider how continuity impacts this offensive line. But even go back to the preseason. This is something I've said before on this podcast. Go back to the preseason. Think back to when fans were watching James Daniels whiff on blocks. And when they were watching, you know, Kevin Dotson, not even guaranteed to win a job with Kendrick Green at left guard. And Mason Cole, like, yeah, he was getting bull rushed a lot. They have figured it out. Are they great? No. Are they good? Absolutely they're good. They are good. And then by proxy, the other area that is improving tremendously is the running game. The Steelers have played four games since their week week nine bye week. They have rushed for over 100 yards every single week. You know, I talked about how the the recipe for success, what is that recipe for success? It is crystal clear, crystal clear what that recipe for success is. Run the football, limit Kenny Pickett's attempts, take it away on defense, and protect the football on offense. And that's what it is. And the running game has responded. It almost felt like, whether it's Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, whoever, We are going to put all of our heads together, and our goal is going to be to run the football, and they have. They've been successful with it, and that's been one of the most enjoyable things to watch with this team is it's a collective. It's a collective group. I mean, when you look at the stat line from this game against the Falcons, you had Najee Harris as the main workhorse, but Benny Snell had his carries. Kenny Pickett had some yards running. They're doing it in a variety of ways. Jet sweeps with Sims, Gunnar Olszewski. I love it. I love the way they're doing it. And speaking of which, that the running backs are improving. I mean, Najee Harris, yeah, I poked fun of those critics of Najee Harris earlier in the season who basically said, Najee Harris has horrible vision. He can't see. And they made him sound like he's some blind guy out there that they're handing a football and say, good luck, guy. Get him. Best of luck. No, he's not walking with a cane or anything like that. It, it just felt like he had to get into a rhythm with his offensive line. He had to figure out what they're doing, what he's doing. Whatever it is, they're figuring it out. And then you throw in Benny Snell, Jalen Warren. They're all contributing, putting their hands in the pile, as Mike Tomlin says. This is what this Steelers offense needed, and they're getting it in, I would say, a very, uh, I want to say it wasn't predicted. I did not predict this to come from the offense that is now a running, run-first offense. Good to see the running backs improving, though. It's showing that their stable of backs is pretty solid. Kenny Pickett is improving. It's it's not, again, I, I feel like I have to, and anytime I bring up the quarterback, I have to throw in this caveat of, now no one's saying he's the franchise quarterback, but he is getting better. He is more comfortable in his own shoes, in his own role within the offense. He's not taking risks, and sometimes that's an issue. And I think that George Pickens, who is having a lot of coverage rolled his way, he's he was getting frustrated. And I think Kenny Pickett just wasn't willing to risk that throw. That was the throw that Kenny Pickett earlier in the season, mainly against Miami, thought, I can make that throw. Now, you, at that time, you couldn't make that throw. Whether you weren't looking the safety off, whether it was someone else open, he, he just wasn't ready to make that throw. And he's choosing not to at this point. And that's okay. That's okay. But Kenny Pickett is improving. He's improving 
Maybe it's baby steps, but I'd rather see baby step incremental improvements than not improving at all. And the last person on offense who I think is improving, fans are going to be so pissed when I say this, Matt Canada. Matt Canada is improving. Whether it's involving Derek Watt in some way into the offense, whether it's the creativity that you see at times, yes, there are still moments, there are still lulls, especially when the Steelers shoot themselves in the foot. When they have a penalty that backs them up, whether it's a blown assignment and there's a tackle for loss, something like that, some type of negative play. When that play happens, that's when Matt Canada gets a little sketchy from a play-calling standpoint. But otherwise, I've liked what I've seen from Matt Canada. He has improved just like the offense has, and it all starts. I'm going to quote Jeffrey Benedict here. Jeffrey Benedict, who studied Matt Canada's offense when he was hired, he looked at Matt Canada's offense in colleges, wherever he went, and he always says it all starts with Matt Canada's offenses being able to run the ball in between the tackles, run it up the middle. Guess what they're doing well right now? Running the ball in between the tackles. It sets up everything. And why fans are going to be so pissed is because if Matt Canada keeps on this trajectory, if the offense keeps looking good, there's a good chance they bring him back. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Art Rooney, Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan, Andy Weedle sit down with Kenny Pickett at the end of the year and say, look, you all finished the year strong. Do you want this guy back or not? Because if you want him back, we'll bring him back. But if you say, let's go in a different direction, then we'll go in a different direction. I would not be shocked if that happens. But Matt Canada has improved. He has improved. Now, on defense, the improvement is not as vast. Not as many areas where there's improvement, in my opinion. The tackling has improved, I think. Not seeing as many missed tackles or anything like that. I think that the cornerbacks have improved. Although those cornerbacks are not cornerback ones where you're talking about an elite-level athlete or corner, uh, but these you know, CB2s, CB3s, whatever you want to call James Pierre, Levi Wallace, Cam Sutton, um, Arthur Millette, whatever you want to label them as, they have improved. Their coverage is better. Their coverage is absolutely better. I mean, it helps when like you have three quality safeties in there with KZ, Fitzpatrick, and Edmonds. But still, I like the way the cornerbacks have been playing. Also, the creativity on defense. You're starting to see, some might call this the Brian Flores impact. I don't care who gets credit for it. You're seeing the defense be more creative. You're seeing more uh, blitzes from the secondary. And think back to against Indianapolis where two defensive backs had sacks. Terrell Edmonds and I think Arthur Millette had the other one. I like that. That's improvement. But there's not as much improvement on the defensive side of the ball. In, In fact, I asked myself when I'm writing down my show notes for this show, is this defense a liability? Is this defense turning into a liability? I'm not going to go that far yet. But I do have some serious questions about the defense and their their ability to get the timely stop and to secure a lead if the offense gives them one. We'll talk about that later. But you know what? The Steelers have won back-to-back games, and I think they're a team which is far from what anyone would call an easy out. So, uh, yeah, you want the Steelers to be a team that a team would circle that on the schedule and say that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, well, I mean, when you're three and seven, and no one's circling anything and saying that's a tough one. When you're five and seven, you've just won back to back games. You're starting to look more competent as a team. Well, now all of a sudden you're thinking it's not going to be an easy game. It's not that they, it's not that you can't win, but it's it's not going to be an easy game. And so, I think that this team they are far from perfect. They're so far from perfect. 
But they, I mean, let's be honest. They're not perfect. They're not even good at times. But they're improving. They are improving. And if that should give you, the fan, anything, anything at all, it should be hope for the future. The team finishing strong down the stretch, while it might kill someone, that kill the people that are rooting for draft picks, it's going to kill them. But their improvement should give you hope rolling into next season. This this game this week is going to be huge. It's going to be absolutely huge. I'm glad it's at home. Lamar Jackson might not even be playing due to a knee injury. We shall see. But the Steelers are improving. Don't look now. This team is really improving. Hope for the future. All right, I'm going to take a break. When I come back from that break and a word from our sponsors, we're going to go right into winners and losers. Ten winners. Ten and five losers. Yes, five losers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Steelers fans, welcome back to the second half. It's a Monday after a game, and you know what that means. It is time for the winners and losers segment. Last week had that uh, Tuesday special podcast with winners and losers. This time, it's a normal show. Second half, all devoted to the winners and losers. Again, in case you missed it, 10 winners and 5 losers after the 19-16 to win over the Falcons. Let's get this started off with the winners. The top winner, in my opinion, is Najee Harris. His stat line is as follows. 17 carries, 86 yards, a 5.1-yard average. He did not score a touchdown, had a 14-yard long, and also added one catch for six yards as a receiver. Total it up, that's over 90 yards of total offense. Najee Harris, I'm going to be honest, this was probably the first game where I felt he looked like 2021 Najee Harris. The way that he fought through tackles, the way that he was making Something out of nothing. And think back to last year. That offensive line was so bad that he was sometimes having to evade four tacklers before even making positive yardage. It was insane. This looked like Najee Harris, except now this Najee Harris actually had some holes to run through, and he was doing that. I know he hasn't eclipsed 100 yards yet this season. I don't care. He's effective. 5.1-yard average on 17 carries? Absolutely, you'll take that. You'll take that every day of the week. Najee Harris played a great game. He's getting better in certain areas like blitz pickup. That's worthy of noting. I love what Najee Harris is bringing to the table. I hope he stays healthy, continues on this trend. Would really help this offense out a lot down the stretch. He's a winner. Next, we go to Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth only had five targets. He had three catches, though, for 76 yards, a 25.3 average with a 57-yard long. You know, Pat Fryermuth is one of those guys where it kind of feels like it's uh, hit or miss. But ultimately, it's one of those situations where every time he gets the ball in his hands, he's going to try to make a play. And sometimes that can be to his detriment. 
When you think about the concussions he's had, sometimes it's from fighting for extra yards that he gets those extra hits. But fighting for those extra yards in this game, well, it led to that 57-yard long play. It was a great play. Uh, it was it was just fun to watch. I mean, you're, you're watching the game. You're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, he's still going. You thought he might score a touchdown. Pat Fryermuth has become a very, very good weapon for this offense. I would love to see his role blossom even more. I'm sure it will as he continues through his career. But this second year, this second year tight end is he's legit. He's legit. So he's a winner for sure. The next winner, you look at the stat line, you might say, really? Like this guy's a winner? Connor Hayward, okay, the rookie tight end. He had one catch for 17 yards, but that one catch, which was his only target, was for a touchdown. And it was the only touchdown scored by the Steelers on the day. And you didn't realize how much this game probably meant to Connor Hayward. Uh, Cam talked about it after the game. He was, as he was wearing a Falcons Ironhead Hayward, his father, his jersey. And, you know, Cam grew up down in Atlanta because that's where his dad played football. And his brother has had a lot of memories in that stadium with Michigan State. And even I saw on Twitter, I forget who posted it, it was a really cool cut up of Ironhead Hayward's first NFL touchdown. It looked eerily similar to Connor's first NFL touchdown. So a really cool moment. It was great to see the rookie get his first touchdown there and uh the the picket to hayward connection might be uh one that we're going to hear for a long time just like we always talk about picking to pick picket to pickens so uh connor hayward because of all that stuff and a great catch he finds his way on the winner's list the next winner is a general one the running game steelers rush 37 times for 154 yards a 4.2 yard average and a 14 yard long since the bye week The Steelers have rushed for over 100 yards as a team every single week. And the thing is, is that they've played some pretty decent defenses in that stretch. Whether you're talking about the Saints or the Bengals or even the Colts, they have faced some pretty good defenses, especially against the run, and they've been able to eclipse 100 yards every single week. This is the recipe for success. Like I talked about in the first half, if they can keep this up, they will find themselves in every single game that they play. But the running game, they're doing their job, and they're a winner. The next winner is Minka Fitzpatrick. You might not know this. He led the team in tackles. Seven tackles, five of them solo. He had a tackle for loss. He had one pass defense and, of course, the game-clinching interception. You know, he didn't He didn't go in the end zone. I think a lot of people thought he was going to just walk into the end zone. He ran out of bounds. He, I guess he figured there's no need to – score and put the Falcons back on the field. So he ran out of bounds. Steelers got in victory formation. They kneeled it out and that was the ball game. So some might call it a heads up play. Some might say that, you know, he screwed him over with the over under. I don't know. I don't care. That play was tremendous. We hadn't seen Minka get his hands on a football in a while. It was good to see that type of play from that type of player. And Minka Fitzpatrick is definitely a winner because of it. The next player on the winner's list is someone that has not been on the winner's list all that much since he was drafted in 2021, and that is Presley Harvin III. He only had two punts in this game, and I was going to put Presley Harvin on when it looked like the Steelers weren't going to punt. And that's like Peyton Manning type stuff. When you remember those games where the punter, the only time he's been on the field is to hold for a field goal or an extra point. He only punted twice, Presley Harvin did. But the last one was down to the two-yard line, and it was a thing of beauty. 
It was, uh, I, I always use golf analogies for those that know me or follow me on Twitter. You know, I'm also a big time golfer. I love the game. And I said, that's like that 70 yard, 60 to 70 yard wedge where it's just kind of like, you know, a half swing, but you really catch it clean. You just clip that clean right out the fairway. And you know, that thing is going to spin and it just goes hits once checks, boom, right by the pin. That's what that punt was like. Kudos also to Miles Boykin and Derek Watt, who were both down there on the coverage team, for being smart enough not to step in the end zone or not to do anything stupid. You down him at the two. The next play, Minka Fitzpatrick interception, game over. Presley Harvin did his job. Mike Tomlin put the ball to him and said, hey, I'm not going for the long field goal because if he misses it, they're going to have a short field. I'm expecting you to pin him deep, and he did. So that's why he's on the winner's list. The next winner, another kicker, that would be Matthew Wright. Matthew Wright goes four for four with field goals and one for one on extra points. Hey, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Whatever Matthew Wright's doing, he's living right. Keep doing it, young man. Why? Not many kickers can say they hit two uprights in consecutive weeks and both of them go in. So he uh, stroinked one off of the right upright in Indy, and he stroinked one off the right upright in Atlanta, and they both ricochet in. I would love it if he didn't have to stroink them in, but he is. It counts. It doesn't matter. Matthew Wright did his job, but I'm going to add on to this also. His kickoffs were tremendous. Good coaching by the Steelers, too. They did not want to kick the ball to Patterson, give him a chance at a big return, so they were smart. First opening kickoff, they kick it to the up man. Great coverage. Second kickoff, they kick it away from Patterson. Good coverage. Then they start kicking it deep. It was to the point where Patterson seemed frustrated to the point where he wasn't returning it no matter what. Great job by Matthew Wright on kickoffs. That's something that probably won't be talked about too much, but it deserves recognition. The next winner, the offensive line. Not only did the Steelers rush for 154 yards, they did not surrender a sack, and the Atlanta Falcons only were credited with, let me double check, I believe it is four quarterback hits. That's it. Four quarterback hits. The offensive line did their job. They were able to make sure that the pocket was clean. Kenny Pickett did a good job manipulating the pocket, running when he had to, but also just getting that push. And I talked about the continuity. I've mentioned it. It can't be mentioned enough. It can't be mentioned enough. That's one of the big reasons why this offensive line is really clicking on all cylinders. They deserve credit, and they deserve to be on the winner's list. Uh, The third down offense makes its way to the winner's list. That's a great stat to add to the winner's column. The stat line, you know what I look for, 50%. And Dave told me when he was watching the game with me, he goes, man, that's such a lofty goal. I said, I know, but that's where I want him. And they've been there again, 6 for 12. They get the 50% on the dot. I thought the third down offense was pretty good, especially in the first half, moving the chains, keeping it going. That's where you want to be. Get me over 50%. The last winner here is no turnovers. This is their the stat line is four straight games without a turnover. Now, this stat comes from Bradley Locker. Bradley is a contributor to Behind the Steel Curtain. You can check him out there and all his work. He writes, this is from his his Twitter account, the Steelers have gone four straight games without a turnover. That's the franchise's longest streak since at least 1939. Box score data was not listed for all games before 1939, so not sure if this stretch is an all-time record. Over a month without a turnover, unreal. And think about that. Think about that statistic. Wow. That's crazy. 1939. Thanks, Bradley, for finding that. That's definitely a winner. The Steelers keeping it clean. Yes, you could talk about Deontay Johnson, which I will in a second. 
Uh, you can talk about the potential fumble, but Kenny Pickett hasn't thrown it. Uh, I think it's in 128 passes since he's thrown an interception. They are playing good and smart football. So to recap the winners, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, Connor Hayward, the running game, Mika Fitzpatrick, Presley Harvin III, Matthew Wright, the offensive line, third down offense, and no turnovers. So we have five losers. We have five losers. We're going to go over these five losers. The first one is a guy I just mentioned, Deontay Johnson. Listen to Deontay Johnson's stat line. Five catches, 60 yards, 11 targets. He had a 12.0 average, 20-yard long. Look, Deontay Johnson is... I don't even know how to I don't even know how to describe this guy anymore. Like I want to call him an enigma, but I feel like that might be too positive. He's he's a he's a headache is what he is. He is frustrating. When you think about Deontay Johnson, the the stuff that is irritating, it's not so much the catch the ball moving laterally instead of north and south. Like that's frustrating. And he did a lot better. He did better with that in this game against the Atlanta Falcons, but it's the things like the false start. You're nearing the red zone, and I'm sure you're excited, and maybe the play call is he's getting the look that he wants. How undisciplined are you, though, that you're going to get called for a false start again? This has to be his fourth pre-snap penalty, I swear, this year. If not fourth, third. And maybe it's more than that. I don't know. But the fact that he's had that many is absolutely absurd. I will always go back to something that Kevin Smith said with Brian Davis on the Here We Go Steelers podcast, which runs every Friday at noon. I cannot recommend that podcast and what Kevin says because he knows so much about football. He said, when you have pre-snap penalties like that, that shows a lack of discipline and a lack of general understanding about what's going on in the magnitude of the moment. You can't do it. You just can't do it. Deontay Johnson, and not to mention another drop, it was over the middle, and, and I know that the announcer said, well, maybe that was a little high. They showed the replay. No, that, that was not high. That was not high. Catch the football. It was at high. It was I. It was at eye level. Catch the football. That probably would have been a third down conversion, and instead it results in I think a field goal attempt. We talk about the fumble, which yes, it wasn't a fumble, but it. We all know that was pretty darn close to being one. Deontay Johnson just needs to clean up his game. Just clean up your game. You know, I, I don't care about George Pickens pouting if Deontay Johnson's tearing it up. I do care about George Pickens pouting if Deontay Johnson's not getting the job done. All right, next loser. The second half rush defense. I was going to have just a rush defense in general, and I was talking with Brian Davis in the postgame show, and he made it very clear. He said, hey, I think it should be second half. Because in the first half, they held the Falcons, I believe, 28 yards rushing. That's it. Now, in the second half, it's like the the Red Sea parted for the the Atlanta Falcons. They gave, they had 146 total yards rushing. The Falcons did, and over 100 in the second half. And there were drives where the Steelers couldn't stop the run to save their lives. And the Falcons are just running down their throat, running down their throat, moving down the field. And their only scoring drive, the only touchdown drive that the Falcons had, they didn't throw the ball until they scored the touchdown. Think about that. That's scary. The rush defense has to improve, and I'm not sure if there's an easy fix for that right now. Unless you're talking about Miles Jack is far from healthy, I don't know. It's just there's no easy fix for that right now. The next loser are penalties. Steelers were penalized seven times for 30 yards, but a lot of times it was it was not just the type. It wasn't the amount. It wasn't the total yardage. It was like Deontay Johnson's false start, a delay a game penalty. When did it happen? A lot of these penalties happened at the least 
the most inopportune times, meaning it was, you know, they're on the cusp of the red zone and then it backs them up. Key moments backs them up. Can't have those self-inflicted wounds. Clean up the game. The next loser, the touchdown to field goal ratio. The Steelers had five scoring drives and they had one touchdown. Five scoring drives, only one touchdown. If this team... They are improving. Everyone that watches this team on a week-in and week-out basis would say they are improving. But if this team wants to be a team to be reckoned with, and if there's anyone out there that is even thinking about the dreaded P word, yeah, the playoffs, they have to change this ratio. And if they have five drives and two touchdowns, this game is over. Not even close. But instead, they only get one. That's something that has to improve. The last loser are for, or should I say the last losers are all those draft pick seekers out there. I mentioned them at the opening in the news segment of this show. Those that are currently, that are hating every single win because they want the higher draft pick. The Steelers currently have the 14th projected selection. A lot can change between now and then, but I want to see success. And those draft pick seekers are losers because, not because they're losers, they're in the losers column. You know what I mean? based on the fact that they're not getting their way, and I'm fine with that. So the five losers to recap, Deontay Johnson, the second-half rush defense, penalties, the touchdown-to-field goal ratio, and all those draft pick seekers that are out there. All right, folks, that does it for me. The Steelers win 19-16 means it's a victory Monday, means we're getting our week started on the right foot. Let's hope this momentum continues, carries on into week 14. I will be back on Wednesday to talk about all things Steelers and Ravens, get you geared up, get you right in the heat of Ravens week. But on Tuesday, make sure you're looking out for that tweet so that you can get your mailbag questions in. Follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. When I put out the tweet, all you have to do is respond. I will answer that question on the air. Don't miss it. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out here, folks. Be safe. Be kind. And God bless. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.